0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pursuing Jesus Podcast. My name is Shane Winnings, and we're talking about the end times today. Hey, I want to thank you guys for listening. We are slowly approaching 200,000 streams, almost double what we did all of last year. And that's because people like you are listening and sharing. So if this podcast speaks to you at all, please share it. Uh, Last year, we were in the top 1% of all shared podcasts, and that's talking about Joe Rogan and and all of these other podcasts that are wildly popular. We were in the top 1% of shared podcasts, so please help us by continuing to promote it, you know, sending it to friends and family, stuff like that. Uh, Quickly, we have a discipleship school that is launching in July. Right now it's set for 16th through the 28th. We had 50 slots open. Those are gone, so I'm opening up some more. Um... If you are interested, you want to come to Dallas for two weeks, dive into identity, the gifts of the Spirit, walking out this Christian life, growing in confidence, growing in faith, growing in intimacy, getting a lot of uh, time with me and the other students, asking a ton of questions. It's going to be such a fruitful time. Um, Send me a DM on Instagram. I will get you more info. Just say, hey, I'm interested in the Overcomer School. All you got to do is get yourself to Dallas. I am covering lodging. Um, and then finally, we're looking for 74, we got two more, 74 partners at a dollar a day. That's $30 a month. Um, we have a lot of needs this year, honestly, and we can only meet those needs if we raise the support. Uh, we don't have a way to work overtime or anything like that. We're fully sponsored by people like you, and uh, if you want to help us grow as we reach more people, to be able to hire someone on to do all the video, uh, videography and the editing and the all of this stuff, which I do myself, um, then we need some help. Also, I have a ton of travel coming up, and not all of that is covered uh, by the organizations I'm going with. Some of it is self-funded, so we are trying to raise money for a budget. If you want to be a person who supports us with a dollar a day, you can sign up at shanewinnings.com click the give button. Make sure you send me a DM on Instagram because I want to include you in the monthly donor Zooms. We just had our first one. It was awesome. Can't wait for the next one in March. All right, guys, let's get into this. We're out of Matthew 24 here. We're talking about the end times. People are saying, well, are we in the end times? You know, are we in the end of the end? Are we in the middle? You know, what do you believe? Are we? Is there a rapture? Is there a pre-trib, mid- Post trip, you know, there's all these questions. And I don't think those are the important questions. I think the important question to ask about the end times is are you ready? Not when is it coming. Are you ready for it to come? And I want to make a case for that way of thinking that, you know, Jesus did refer to the signs in the times. But he ended that whole passage by preaching several parables and stories about people who were ready and people who were not. Actually, he spends about two-thirds of a page giving some signs, and then he spends a page and a half, so twice as long, Uh, more than twice as long talking about what to do. Again, I want to say this so you're getting it. If you're wondering what Jesus emphasized more, he spent about two-thirds of a page giving the signs. So that's 66%. And he spent a page and a half, or 150%, talking about what you should be doing in the end times. So it was... Way more important. It was two and a half times more emphasized what you should be doing rather than what you should be looking for. Okay, so let's be people who are ready. Let's get into Matthew 24 a little bit. We're going to do some reading. Uh, Hopefully, you're on like a nice little drive or something, maybe for 20 minutes. We're just going to have a nice little episode. We're going to get into some scripture and then we're going to break it down a little bit. I'm going to charge you with something. And we're going to go on with our day, having uh, grown in our relationship with God, even if it's just a little bit. So, Matthew 24, verse 3, it says this, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be. He had just got done talking about the destruction of the temple and um, some other things. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Doesn't sound like a very good time. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Do you just see the chaos that's going to take place? I mean, we think that we're in a bad spot right now. And and we are. We're not doing so hot. But it is going to get absolutely insane insane um one second real life happened my buddy wanted to give me a phone call and I said please don't because I'm recording right now and that would totally interrupt the video and if I don't do this in one take then I got to splice it together and it's just a whole thing so thanks for pausing with me at least we didn't pause for like an ad or something like that I don't do that I do the ads in the beginning so you can skip through. And the ad is really just like, hey, help us out. Anyways, so things are going to be wild. And Jesus says, that's just the beginning. What needs to cap this whole thing off is that the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Some great friends out at YWAM, they are working on getting the gospel to every nation. I mean, they have a count. I think it's over 2 billion people have not heard the gospel. 2 billion. It might be more. Um, and so it, it's amazing that we have Christians who have this commission on their hearts, which we all should, but obviously we carry that out in different spheres of influence in, in life. Okay, so then Jesus begins to talk about the Great Tribulation. And he's given some signs here. He says, if anyone says, look, here is the Christ, or there, don't believe it. See, false prophets in Christ will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say, look, he's in the desert, don't go there. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Christ has already come, and he's coming back again, and there will be no mistake about his second coming. It's not going to be a secret. It's going to be worldwide news. Everyone's going to know. And so he's saying, hey, don't be deceived. If people are like, Christ is here, Christ is here. No, he isn't. Jesus is currently at the right hand of the Father, Then Jesus gives a couple more signs, immediately after the tribulation those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven will be shaken, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. I wonder what that is. The sign of the Son of Man. It's like a bat signal for Jesus. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. That is going to be just amazing to see. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. See, this is not some secret rapture that's going to happen. That's not in the Bible. That is a new teaching. That The early church did not ever preach about a secret rapture. That's new. This is what's going to happen. Jesus says it plainly. All this stuff is going to happen. The sun's going to be darkened, all these things. Then the sign of the Son of Man is going to appear. All the tribes will mourn, and then they will see. Everyone in the world will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Jesus is coming. It's going to be quite a spectacle. It's not going to be some secret you disappear out of your clothes thing. So he just gave a couple of signs, right? A couple of paragraphs here. Then he says this, No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That is Matthew 24, 36. As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What does that mean? There were people that they didn't believe Noah. And so they're just, it says right here, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they didn't know until the flood came and took them all the way. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. And it says this right here, then two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. What is he saying? This isn't talking about some secret rapture. Jesus is going to come back in a public spectacle. The angels are going to gather those who belong to him from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, and there's going to be people that aren't gathered. Only those who belong to God are going to be caught up in the clouds with him. Colossians 3 also talks about this. And he says, uh, here we go, we're going to start getting into this now. Jesus gave some signs, but then he's really going to harp on this. Almost two pages. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What is he saying? You should stay up all night and just be, be scared at when the thief is coming. Absolutely not. You just be ready. You make sure that you're always ready. And the Bible says we can have confidence on the day of judgment because we will stand before the Lord and we will be sons and daughters of the one who does the judging. It's going to be incredible. And we'll have confidence because we'll stand before him and we'll recognize, man, I'm right with you. You love me. I love you. You know me. I know you because we've spent time together because I've done your will. That's not works qualifying myself. That's confidence standing before my father, knowing that I did not waste my life on the earth, living for worldly desires and and fleshly pleasures that are fleeting and temporal. I can stand before God confidently and say, God, I didn't live a perfect life, but I lived for you. And when I messed up, I repented and I kept walking after you. And I never, ever stopped walking down the narrow road. I never went back to the wide road and forsook you and just did my own thing. My life wasn't perfect, but it was always heading towards you. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for making me righteous by your son. Thanks for fathering me while I was on the earth. I mean, this is the confidence that we can have. And so Jesus is saying, stay ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You ever heard that? Okay, so that's what he says. But then he starts to, he doesn't just leave it at that because that would have been fine. He keeps going. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find doing so. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying at his coming. My master is not coming back anytime soon. And begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour he is not aware of, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is he saying here? There's a wise servant who just honors his master, and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Then there's a hypocrite. There's another uh, servant who's not faithful, who's not wise, who's foolish. The Bible calls him evil. And he says, well, God's away, the servant's going to play. And he just does whatever he wants. And he's living, he's fulfilling all the desires of his flesh, eating, drinking with the drunkards, beating his fellow servant. I mean, he's just doing everything that he wants to because he's thinking, God's not here, it doesn't matter. I'll act right when he shows up, but that's not who I really am. When he's gone, this is who I'm really going to be. And the Bible says that that master's coming on a day and hour that servant ain't ready for. And he's going to tear him into shreds. And there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus keeps going. (laughs) Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. They turned them on. And foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, do you know that in the Bible, oil is referenced to intimacy? Intimacy is not something that I can give you. My relationship with God is not something I can impart to you. When, when, when I'm asleep and the the bridegroom comes or the message comes at midnight at the you're you're dead asleep you're not even thinking and they say hey it's time and you have that relationship with God you have salvation because you have been saved by grace through faith and you're walking with Jesus and you're genuine you're not a hypocrite you're you're not a you're not a a worldly person with a christian confession because that's what you should do no you're you're a true believer a true born again christian The Bible says that it doesn't matter what, if it's the middle of the night, you get woken up and it's time to go, you're ready because you have your oil. And there's going to be people in that day who are saying, we don't have it. Come on, give us what you have. And you're saying, I can't give it to you. It's not for me to give. You can go out and try to get some, but the Bible makes it clear. These people, it's going to be a day late and a dollar short. They're going to go out. They're going to try to get some quick, and it's going to be too late. The doors are going to be shut, and they're going to say, but, but, but it's time for us now, and God's going to say, I don't even know who you are. You've missed it. you missed your chance. You waited too long, and maybe you're listening to this, and you've been waiting, waiting, thinking, I can, I can give my life to Jesus later. I'm just not ready yet. Look, the Bible makes it clear that there were people who thought they were fine, and they slept or they partied or they whatever because the master's gone because he's not the bridegroom's not here yet. And these people were caught off guard. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be 10 minutes from now. The Bible says, Do not harden yourself to the Lord. When you hear his voice, you need to respond. How many of you are listening and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ? But you've been sleeping on it. You've been waiting. Guys, you don't have time. The world and its lusts are fading away, and they will all be burned up one day, but only what is done for the Lord will remain. Let your soul be found in the Lord. Do not sell your soul to the world so that you can enjoy these temporal, passing, fleeting pleasures. Make much of your life by giving it away to God. He continues, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So if for some reason you miss that, this guy gave some money to a couple of his different workers, a different amount to each one, and then he went away. Talents are money. I don't know what the age range of people listening is or the, the biblical knowledge, and that's okay. Talent is money. I'll just say coins for the rest of this so you can hear it easier then he who had received the five coins went and traded with them and made another five coins so he doubled his income and likewise he who had received two gained two more also he doubled his but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lord's money after a long time the lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them So he who had received five talents, five coins, came and brought the other five, saying, Lord, you delivered me five. Look, I gained five more. His Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. That's a biblical principle we can absolutely apply to our lives. If you're faithful with little, you will be trusted with much. Then he goes on, Enter into the joy of your Lord. Man, I can't wait to hear that. He also who had received two coins came and said, "'Lord, you delivered me two. Look, I have gained two more besides them.' His Lord said, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord.' Then he who had received the one coin came and said, "'Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground.' Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the coin from him and give it to him who has ten. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance." But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This reminds me of Jesus when he's talking and he says, If you try to keep or save your life, you're going to lose it. But those who lose their life for Jesus' sake will find it. In this parable, the one who had nothing... Whatever he had was taken from him and given to the one who had much. Why? Because he could be trusted. Can you be trusted to give your life back to Jesus? Or are you going to try to save your life? Are you going to try to manage it on your own? Are you going to try to do things your way? The Bible makes it so clear all throughout the scriptures. This is the fastest way to lose. Is to do life apart from Jesus. The truth is you can't save your own life. You can't. We're all dying. And our soul is going to go somewhere. And the Bible says that those of us who put our trust in the Lord, we will have eternal life and we will never be ashamed. And so when someone asks me, like I was on a a show, a TV show the other day, and they asked me, do you think we're in the end times? I said, I really don't know. But I can tell you one thing because the disciples asked the same question. Jesus gave a couple signs, but he spent way more time talking about what we should be doing. We should be ready for our master's coming. And I want to end this episode by asking you, are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Because if you think about that return and you're fearful, it means one of two things or a couple of things. One, you are not born again and you know that your life is wrong. You know that you're not right with God. And the thought of Jesus coming back terrifies you because that means eternal judgment and punishment for you. Number two, you are a Christian, but you are backsliding. You're living in sin, and you're wondering, are you going to be okay with Jesus? Are you actually saved, or is everything all right? I want to encourage you to get out of the world. Don't have one foot in the world or even one toe in. If you've got one foot in the world, your whole body's in the world. Because God says you're either for me or against me, you gather or you scatter, you're all in or you're all out, hot or cold. The third option is that you are born again, but you have a bad revelation. You think that God is an angry judge who's mad at you or something because you're not perfect. I want to encourage you with what the Bible says perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with torment. If you're born again, if you're a Christian, you can have confidence on the Day of Judgment because you are going to stand before your Father. Maybe a reason you don't have confidence is because He is a stranger to you and you're nervous to meet Him. But I'm telling you, if you spend time with Him every day, He won't be a stranger anymore to you. You'll begin to see Him as a friend, as a leader, And as a father, I can tell you that God has fathered me and continues to father me every single day. It is one of the most powerful things in my life, and it is the best assurance in my life that I belong to Him. Do do you know that tonight I'm going to be live streaming on YouTube uh, a revival service that I did in Nashville? A woman was healed out of a wheelchair, a, a teenage girl. It was absolutely incredible. Do you know that that is not the thing that I use to affirm myself that I belong to God? Even performing miracles in the name of Jesus is not my assurance that I'm going to heaven. Because the Bible even says that there are people who will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do miracles? And he'll say, I never knew you. You see, I don't assure myself in miracles. I assure myself in the fact that God fathers me. Because the Bible says that He will discipline, chasten, lead, guide, correct, instruct, encourage His kids. And I've experienced all of that, and I know that I belong to God. Do you? Does God father you? If He doesn't, I want you to ask God to begin to father you. I want you to confess your sins to Him, and I want you to ask Him for forgiveness. I want you to confess that you've sinned. I want you to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord that He did die on the cross for the sins of the world, and that He was risen from the dead by God three days later. This is what the Bible says. Cry out to Him to be your guide, to be your leader, to be your master, to be your Savior, to be the Lord of your life and begin to run after Him with everything inside of you. You can have confidence on Judgment Day. And when people say, do you think we're in the end times? You'll say, I don't know, but I'm ready for Jesus whenever He comes back. Amen? Guys, listen, if this episode encouraged you, please share it. Send it to a couple friends and family. Let's have a generation of people that are ready for the coming of Jesus because they have spent time with him. Amen? All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.